What's up, guys? Welcome back to Reluctant Song Podcast with Chris. Um, sitting here in a spot that's not my normal recording spot, which has been the case over the last two months, uh, hence the lack of posting. So, jumping back on the wagon, going to be recording more, posting more, drinking more, drinking more. Uh, I'll probably be drinking more. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, we'll. Uh, try to maintain a healthy lifestyle and and continue to consume alcohol, which I think is a slippery slope, uh, a balancing act, if you will. So I'm sitting here today uh, in an abnormal recording spot, so I apologize if there's any difficulties with volume or whatever, but uh, slightly buzzed off of uh, orange liqueur, which will be the topic today. So I'm going to drink a beer to uh, kind of balance it out. So, since it's been a while, uh, just catching up with everybody, I've been um, traveling, road tripping, going to wineries in Iowa, Washington, Oregon, uh, drinking wine from all over the place, opening up some old stuff. When I was down near my old um, collection of stuff in the desert, I was popping some bottles and, and buying some interesting stuff from this really cool wine store in Whitefish, Montana. A uh, really interesting uh, Sauvignon Blanc coming from the Chablis region, which I'll cover on another episode. Um, but today I really wanted to dedicate to uh, orange liqueur. Uh, the reason that I wanted to is because I just finished, well, not just finished, but last night I finished the last little bit of Mandarin Napoleon that I had, which is one of my favorite orange liqueurs that there is, and uh, leaves me with a couple other orange liqueurs on my shelf. And I thought, man, I really need to get another bottle. I really love this product, and I I sat there, and I was really happy just thinking about how much I've enjoyed this product. So that's what kind of inspired this um, podcast. So the products that I'm going to carry or cover are pretty much available in every Total Wine, BevMo, Specs. Um, So if you're looking for them, uh, these are my retail selections of the uh, retail recommendations of the episode. Three of the products I'm going to recommend are probably available at every local grocery store in California. Obviously, if you're in Texas or other states, you probably can't get liquor at the grocery store. Uh, But if you go to any liquor store, they'll probably have some form of orange liqueur. Uh, I'm just going to cover a few here on this podcast. So uh, basics, let's see, orange liqueur or cordial, um, pretty much liqueur and cordial are, are essentially the same thing, uh, but basically they're products that are created from either mixing um, a uh, fruit or plant or redistilling a previously distilled spirit with uh, fruits or plants or juice or whatever, uh, natural flavorings or materials. Um, So it can be made from a whole lot of things. Um, in this episode, again, we're covering things that are made with orange. Uh, but anyways, cordials were first kind of introduced in the 1600s. Uh, they were being made by the Benedictine monks. Um, and so it's been around for a long time. Most of the stuff I'm covering is uh, fairly established brands um, with 100 years, 100 plus years of production. Um, but anyways, the... Things that we see nowadays on the market are, are kind of made and have become more popular and more available uh, since the 1900s when there was the creation of the column still. So I'll dedicate another episode at some point 
uh, to the process of distillation and the different types of distillation. Uh, but the column still is something that kind of revolutionized the process of distillation and made it um, much more expedited, much easier, um, much quicker way of distillation. So instead of taking you know, a, a fairly long time to distill something two to three times and completely boiling the pots, you have basically multiple chambers above a pot or a, a, a still that are allowing multiple distillations to take place inside of one boil. So without diving too far into that and probably droning you out and having you turn the podcast off, uh, I'll jump into the uh, recommendations. So I'm going to kind of start with the ones that everybody may have known or may have seen and then go into two recommendations that I really love. Uh, spoiler alert, I've already told you, Mandarin Napoleon is one of those. Um, so anyways, uh, the first time I ever had orange liqueur, um, my mom had me make a margarita for her and her friends. And, uh, oh God, that sounds bad. But remember, folks, before my day, it was always a good idea for a child to make a martini for guests when they come over, whether that child was 16 or 14 or 20 or 21, making a martini or making a good cocktail for somebody at your home is a sign of respect and is a sign of like class. If somebody comes to your house and uh, you go to someone's house and they offer you a cocktail, you're like, oh, wow, this, this feels nice. It's fancy. Um, and being a young child and, and preparing a cocktail, whether it be a gin and tonic, vodka tonic, whatever, gin and soda, whatever, any kind of cocktail, and being able to make a cocktail at a young age feels really cool. You feel like, wow, I'm, I'm a grown-up, I'm an adult, and we all know that when you're a kid, you dream about growing up, and when you're an adult, you all, we dream about being kids. So kind of a, a, a foreshadowing, if you will, if you ever made cocktails for adults when you were a kid, and now you're making cocktails for yourself and wishing somebody would make cocktails for you. Um, yeah, so I, I was making margaritas um, for my mom and for some of her friends, and uh, I remember trying Cointreau. And uh, Cointreau is this really interesting bottle. It's a square bottle, um, has a pretty nondescript label. It's white and orange. I mean, you'd be able to see it if you know what you're looking for. Uh, if you're looking for a square bottle, it's one of the few that stands out. Uh, Jägermeister is a rectangle, in case anybody's wondering. It's more like a brick. This is more square. It's, it's exactly the same distance on each side. So uh, Cointreau is um, something that you can find in most places. It's been around uh, for quite a long time. It's about $40 a bottle. Uh, all of the pricing I'm going to quote is going to be pricing at about the 750 milliliter pricing. So you could probably find 375 milliliters of each of these bottles, which are kind of smaller bottles, um, if you don't feel like investing a lot of money. Uh, some of these bottles you can probably find in the mini sample bottles if you don't want to buy a whole bottle. Um, but honestly, I like to buy 375 milliliter bottles or 750 milliliter bottles or one liter bottles. Uh, of something when I try it for the first time because then I'm stuck with that product and it kind of encourages me to uh, make something different or try to make something else with it or kind of experiment with it or try it multiple times. So if you do get a little airline bottle, a little two-ounce bottle, uh, I would say um, get a couple of them and then that way you can try them over a few different cocktails or one on ice or whatever. 
or just don't listen to me. Shut the podcast off and, and give up on me because I'm just about there with myself. Uh, not really. Let me let me have a drink for my spirit. Lovely. And in a moment, I'll be having a spirit for my spirit. Uh, okay. No audience, so I'm, I'm trying my best, guys. Uh, hopefully soon I'll be able to... Um, uh, interview people and talk to people. It's been a few things I've tried to set up that just through no fault of anyone's just kind of a scheduling error that I haven't been able to get to. Um, but yeah, anyways, so back to Quantro. Uh, Quantro is something that is introduced in 1875, um, 1849. If you go to the, um, Remy, uh, Quantro website, because that's when the product was first made, the, the distillery was first founded, but um, 1875 is when it first kind of became available uh, in the market. So, um, you know, it's it's made in uh, St. Bartholomew d'Anjou. So I've talked before in a podcast about Anjou. So it's a region within the Loire Valley. So French product uh, made in the Loire Valley, um, where Sancerre comes from, where Chinon and, and Samour come from. Uh, so Anyways, a, a place that's been around for a long time that's been making wine for a long time. So obviously they've gotten in the habit of fermenting over the years and uh, you can't have distillation without fermentation. So anyways, um, there's about 13 million bottles sold a year. So this is a very prominent, very popular brand of orange liqueur. Um, in 1990, it was bought by Remy Martin. So if you're ever looking for this product online, it's under the Remy Cointreau uh, website. Um, and now it's a publicly traded company, which is kind of nice. So when you pour this in a glass, it's very clear. Um, it's sweet. It has a little bit of a bitter orange peel to it, uh, but nice. When you go to a restaurant, generally, you'll be served another brand of orange liqueur. But if you upgrade your margarita, you're generally met with either Cointreau or Grand Marnier. But the base product that, that you see in most margaritas at most bars is just an inexpensive triple sec. So without going into the upsell of Cointreau, if you go into a restaurant or if you want to just buy an inexpensive triple sec for your home, you can normally find them. Triple sec is kind of the umbrella that most orange liqueurs fall under. Uh, Curacao is also kind of what it's known as, not Curaco, uh, as some people may think, but blue Curacao um, is something that uh, most people may have seen, may not have seen, but anyways, it's a blue liqueur, orange flavored. Curacao is what many people call triple sec or what triple sec is also called, but triple sec is what I've always known it as. Um, so the brand that I normally have in my house, if I want to infuse something or if I just want to use it in a shot and I don't really want to just sip on it, I use DeKuyper. So DeKuyper has been around for a long time. Uh, the company has been around for over 300 years. Um, they use all natural ingredients. And I know that, you know, I could say that and you think, well, it's a cheap liqueur. There's no way that they use high quality products, but they do. Uh, and I think the reason that they can do that is because they've been around for so goddamn long and they sell so much stuff that they can actually afford to sell it at a cheaper price. Um, I mean, most of the time you can get these bottles at $10 a bottle in the store, uh, and that's for a 750 
again, mind you. So if you really want to be cheap, you can probably find a $5 half bottle or, you know, $2 airplane bottle um, and uh, give it a whirl if you haven't had a triple sec. Uh, when you drink it, it's, it's clear. Um, they don't use corn syrup, so it's not a viscous triple sec by any means or a viscous orange liqueur. Uh, a lot of other orange liqueurs will use sugar and stuff like that to, um, sweeten, but also kind of they'll, they'll use it when they cut the product. I'm sure there's some sugar going into this, but there's no corn syrup is what they advertise. Uh, it's kind of a go-to product. It's, it's really easy to find. Um, and honestly, I've talked about this before. Uh, if you feel guilty about not spending money on product, uh, this is a product that you should not feel guilty not spending money on. I don't know if I said that right, but I've been drinking a little bit. Anyways, don't feel bad about not spending money. This product is consistent. It's easy to find. It's available. And if you're just using it in a margarita, who cares? If you're going to use fresh lime juice, fresh lemon juice, and you're going to have tequila in there, the amount of triple sec that you're using and the quality of triple sec you're using is not as important as other high quality ingredients. Now, I would say that if you're a margarita connoisseur or if you're making something for yourself and not bulk or if you're making something for close friends or if you want to make a statement, level up. Use these other orange liqueurs. If you're going to use a Cosmo and you want to use a nicer orange liqueur, do it. If you want to make a margarita with a nicer orange liqueur, do it. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying you can get by using triple sec or De Kuiper triple sec to be more specific. Uh, it's really kind of a clean drinking orange liqueur. It's really, really light and really faint. So if you're looking for a huge orange oomph, I would recommend a different product. Uh, but if you're looking for a light orange flavor, um, I would recommend this. And I think the reason in margaritas that they use triple sec and again, this is margaritas in my classic training, which doesn't mean that it's the right margarita, um, is it's just another form of sweetener to kind of counteract the lemon-lime. Uh, some margaritas that you see in restaurants will use agave syrup, and we use lime juice, and we use tequila. Some totally skip out on orange liqueur. So if anybody's listening right now and they're saying, you're fucking stupid and you don't know what you're talking about, you're right, I don't, but I do know that there's two basic recipes for uh, margaritas. So if you do use orange liqueur, or if you'd like to use orange liqueur, uh, this podcast for you. If you don't, and you never want to drink orange liqueur, then uh, shut me off and go listen to a different podcast. Well, a different one of my podcasts. Don't listen to a different podcast. Hopefully I'm the only one. No, I'm just kidding. Get your information from as many places as you can. Question everything. Send me questions. Okay. So, Cointreau de Kuiper. We've covered two ends of the spectrum. One for $40 a bottle, one for $10 a bottle. Now we're going to go to Grand Marnier. Now, when you think of elderly clientele going to a restaurant and getting an after-dinner drink, sometimes they order Grand Marnier. And now, I sold Grand Marnier a lot of times, a lot of times, when I was a young server, uh, when I was a bartender, and I never knew what it tasted like, but all I knew is, is that people really liked it. And, and generally, there was always one type of clientele that liked it, uh, elderly people, which is fine. Um, but I never really understood because I never drank the stuff. It was a little out of my price range, too, uh, at $40 a bottle. Same as Cointreau, um, but very different flavor profile-wise. 
Uh, Cointreau's clear. It's kind of light. Um, it kind of has like a very pure, like citrus flavor profile. Uh, Grand Marnier is not that. It's it's a little darker. Um, it's sweet. It's it's got a lot of kind of complexity going on, and it's hot. Hot is a term that I'll use when I describe wine. Hot is high alcohol content. High alcohol content is not a bad thing. I mean, honestly, if you pour something over ice, that alcohol content drops because the ice will melt. Um, and as the liquid cools down, the evaporation slows down. And so the alcohol content, well, the evaporation of the alcohol is not as high. So if you've ever taken a shot of something and it's just burned, or if you were young and you're just drinking to get drunk, or if you're old and just drinking to get drunk and you plug your nose and you take a shot, oh, well, not everybody drinks a lot of alcohol. If you were young and you ever plugged your nose to take medicine, it's kind of the same thought process. If you're blocking particles and scents and smells and vapors from getting into your nose, you're changing the way that you taste the thing. You're perceiving it in a different manner. So if you put a little ice on something like Grand Marnier or some people like Grand Marnier warm, whatever, if you change the temperature, you're changing the level of evaporation, which is changing the way that you perceive the drink when you drink it. Now, most of the time, if you see Grand Marnier go out, it goes out in a brandy snifter or it goes out in a cordial glass or whatever. But anyways, Grand Marnier has been around for a really long time. Uh, they say, and I don't know if this just means that they sell this much volume, and so they, they've figured this into their equation, but they say that every two seconds, a bottle is sold somewhere in the world. Now, given different time zones and given you know how vast the world is, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm curious if not every two seconds of the day. Like, is there a time when it's 6 a.m. here and when it's 6 p.m. somewhere else, or maybe somebody's not drinking it, or 3 a.m. and 3 p.m.? Aren't there people on the other side of the globe that are at work that aren't just at the corner store buying different, buying bottles of Grand Marnier? I don't know. I mean, not my job. I, I, anyways, okay. So, uh, every two seconds, a bottle of Grand Marnier is sold, as, as they say. Anyways, Grand Marnier has been around a long time. 1827 is when it was founded. 1880 is when they started producing the liqueur for wholesale. So uh, the difference between Grand Marnier, uh, De Kuyper, Triple Sec, or other Triple Secs, and Cointreau is it's actually made with cognac. So cognac is something I'll cover in a different podcast, but basically cognac is a um, brandy that comes from France, from the region of cognac. It's a product that's made with grape distillate. So it's made from wine grapes. Without getting too far into that and without getting into the worlds of Armagnac and the worlds of other brandies, I, well, let's just leave it at it's made with cognac. Cognac that you may be familiar with, Remy Martin, uh, Louis Latre, if you're fancy, um, uh, Doucet, if you listen to Drake. Um, but anyways, those are cognacs. Um, and this product is made with cognac and it's made with bitter oranges uh, and the bitter oranges that they're using are coming from the Caribbean, and then sugar. And so the sugar, again, is something that's kind of added to lower the alcohol content or at least lower the perceived alcohol content of the wine, uh, of the liqueur. Um, but a lot of these places are using sugar, uh, maybe not organic sugar, but they're using sugar. A lot of them aren't using cornstarch. So back to, to Kuiper, 
that specifies they don't use cornstarch. I don't know many that do, but hey, if it doesn't have, oh, corn syrup. If they're not using corn syrup, I guess, you know, that's a good thing. We should all be drinking more orange liqueur. Grand Marnier has been around a long time. Um, it used to be poured at the Ritz Hotel and Savoy Hotel, which are like really, really old school, high level uh, establishments in France. Um, and in 2016, they were bought by Campari. So uh, Campari is, if you haven't had it, a bitter liqueur, um, a, not a vermouth, I don't think. No, a bittering liqueur. Uh, anyway, so Campari is a large company. They own a lot of products. So Grand Marnier being bought by them is not some astronomical feat that you would never understand. Uh, it's one large company buying another large company. And given the fact that Grand Marnier is such an established brand and has been around for so long, I wouldn't even worry about them changing the recipe or changing the components or changing anything about it. So before you get freaked out or you say, well, I don't want to support big businesses, I don't think that this product is going to change. Now, it may at some point, I don't know, but I would highly doubt that they're going to change something that's already been so successful. I mean... The bottle shape, uh, here, tip and trick, if you're in the liquor store or in the grocery store or in the bar looking for this product, um, Grand Marnier, the bottle is short and squatty. It's round, and it kind of bubbles up to a smaller bubble, and then it goes into the neck of the bottle, and, and the bottle is inspired from a cognac still. So this bottle's been around a long time. They've been making this product a long time. I don't foresee a change in product or a change in production or a change in quality. So those three are the three popular brands. Those are the three brands that I would say you can find most places. Uh, at, again, triple sec is kind of the umbrella. So if you go into the liquor store and you're just looking for a triple sec to try a triple sec, some are sweet, some are not so sweet, some are really orangey, some are not so orangey. Please, if you're going to the liquor store, get a bottle of blue Curacao and just drink a few shots of it until your tongue is blue, until you realize how ridiculous you look, because it's worth the laugh, trust me. Well, after a few shots of it, you're probably going to be just laughing for no reason anyways, or puking, but hopefully you're not puking. Hopefully you're not a lightweight. If you're a lightweight, don't listen to my show. I'm just kidding. Listen to my show and learn how to drink and drink more. That's what I'm trying to do every day. Oh, no, I'm trying to be healthier. Yeah, yeah, 2020, we're going to be healthy this year. Maybe 2021, that's when I'll decide to be healthy. Anyways, so Grand Marnier, Cointreau, Dick Kuyper, triple sec. All triple, well, triple secs and orange liqueurs. If you're going to the liquor store and you just want to buy something just to listen to my podcast or to get me to shut the fuck up or to find out if I know anything about what I'm talking about, any triple sec will do. Highly recommend the most classic cocktail that Triple Sex used in, margarita. Again, unless you're like a Tommy Bahama margarita, which you wouldn't be using to keep uh, Triple Sec. Uh, Cosmos generally call for Triple Sec. There's a lot of, of great cocktails out there that call for Triple Sec. So if you look up classic cocktails and you find something with Triple Sec, buy a bottle, give it a shot, you know, try it out, uh, see how you like it. It's never a bad idea to broaden your horizon. If you've never had Triple Sec on its own, I'd recommend either Grand Marnier or Cointreau, both, again, quite different in the spectrum of orange liqueurs, or I would even more highly recommend, if you can find them, they're not incredibly rare, Mandarin Napoleon 
and Leopold Brothers American Orange Liqueur. So I'm going to cover these because these two are my favorites. Uh, I'll cover Mandarin last because that's kind of the inspiration to the podcast. So um, I'll kind of work my way around to that. Uh, So Leopold Brothers Orange Liqueur is something that I picked up for the very first time at Cask in San Francisco. Cask, I don't know if they're open because, you know, life's been so crazy due to COVID. But Cask is a group of liquor stores that sells really great wine and really great liqueurs and they have a really great like artisanal selection and now when I say that I don't want that to scare anybody away thinking it's going to be wildly expensive or unaffordable or unattainable Uh, Leopold Brothers is sold in 20 states so you're probably going to be able to find it and if you can't find it you can always order it unless you're in a state like Texas where they don't ship alcohol because you know I don't think that they love the people that live in that state but we love to drink in Texas. I mean, just let us buy alcohol. Let it get shipped to us. I don't want to label it as hot sauce. I don't want to keep lying to you. Let us buy alcohol. Anyways, Leopold Brothers American Orange Liqueur is made in Denver, Colorado on the northeast side of town. Uh, it's family owned and operated. It was founded, uh, opened in 1999 uh, by Scott and Todd Leopold. So they make a ton of stuff, gins, vodkas, they make their own version of Fernet and Absinthe. They make whiskeys. They have like five whiskeys or six whiskeys. They have like three or four gins. They have liqueurs and they have aperitivos. So anyways, this is their liqueur, American orange liqueur. Now, they don't make other orange liqueurs, but this is their orange liqueur that they make. So the um, brands that they have are 20 plus brands they hand number all the bottles, so that's kind of cool. It kind of gives you a little bit more of a personal touch. They're all small batch products, so they're not making a ton of stuff. Again, they're only in 20 states, not like Grand Marnier and Cointreau and De Kuiper that are everywhere, literally everywhere. If the country sells alcohol, they probably have Grand Marnier, Cointreau, or at least De Kuiper. I mean, these brands are huge and have been around forever. Leopold Brothers is a little smaller. If you want to support small businesses or support small distilleries, I highly recommend them. Um, it's a, a slightly dark uh, liqueur. Definitely not as dark as Grand Marnier. Uh, it just has kind of a tinge to it. Uh, it's very, very fragrant. Um, it's really, really exceptional. So they started producing this in 2011. Uh, what they do is, is they steep curacao oranges and bargemont oranges. They steep them separately and then in 40-gallon stills, I'm sorry, they steep them separately in 40-gallon stills, and then they redistill it to separate the bitterness from the sweetness. So they go for the sweetness. The bitterness is kind of an um, inherent side effect of using oranges because of the pith. Anybody that hasn't heard the term pith, I'm not saying piss. Uh, piss and pith are, are quite different. Um, so if you've ever zested an orange or a lemon or lime, or let's say you've... Uh, eaten a slice of an orange or a wedge of an orange and you bite into it and you eat all the fruit off the inside, that white layer on the inside that is different from the orange layer or the yellow or the green, whatever citrus you're having layer on the outside, that's the pith. So when you zest a citrus or when you zest something, you're generally getting that outer layer. The pith is on the inside. Pith is generally quite bitter. Um, When you taste wine... Uh, and you're doing deductive tasting, sometimes one of the things you taste for is when you're tasting a citrus, 
You try to figure out what citrus you're tasting. Is it lime? Sure. What what part of the lime? Is it the lime juice? Is it the skin of the lime? Is it the pith of the lime? I'm wh- What is it? Lemon? Sure. Is it a old lemon? Is it a fresh lemon? Is it an underripe lemon? What kind of citrus is it, right? So this company takes extra caution and extra steps to ensure that they separate that bitter flavor from their product. The product's a little hot. It's 40% alcohol by volume, which is not unheard of. Most of the orange liqueurs that I covered, except the Kuiper, um, have about that alcohol content. Uh, but um, this is one that I'd recommend. Maybe throw a little ice cube in or try it neat. You know, give it a shot. It's not that much different from Grand Marnier as far as like the heat level goes. Uh, but it's really, really exceptional. So again, Leopold Brothers American Orange Liqueur. I'll post a picture of it on my Instagram along with da, 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 the star of the show, Mandarin Napoleon. Oh, sorry. Leopold Brothers, about $32 a bottle for a $7.50. So really affordable, cheaper than Cointreau, cheaper than Grand Marnier, and in my humble opinion, a better product. Now, it doesn't mean that it's available everywhere like Grand Marnier and Cointreau, so those are great go-tos, but Leopold Brothers, if you can get it, drink it. Pour it down your gullet. Tell me what you think. Okay, star of the show, the last Mohican. Well, I don't know. Anyways, Mandarin Napoleon is something that I tried for the very first time when I was working for a large distribution company, and I was working in Texas. So I was sitting there, and my manager came in and was super excited and was telling me all about all of these new things that he discovered at Tales of the Cocktail. So as he was telling me, I was kind of piecing together what little memory I had about a drunken conversation I had with someone one time. And I was trying to remember what Tales of the Cocktail was while he was telling me very excited about these products. Two of the products I remember that stood out in my head and really, really stood out are Mandarin Napoleon, which I'm going to cover, and Italicus. Italicus is a Barjaman liqueur that comes from Italy. It's fucking insane. It's amazing. Now, it's much less available than Mandarin Napoleon because I've been all over all the different liquor stores in San Francisco, and I've yet to find it. I'm not saying it's not there. I've asked a lot of people. When people have asked me if I'm looking for something, I always tell them what I'm looking for, but I've yet to find a bottle in California. Now, when I was in Italy last year, I walked into a bar, Italicus. I walked into another bar, Italicus. I walked into another bar, Italicus. It's there. It's great. Try it if you haven't tried it. But Mandarin Napoleon... My manager pulls out and sets down on the table. Now, if you've ever worked for a large distributor, I'm going to, uh, or if you haven't ever worked for a large distributor, I'm going to regale you with the exceptional Monday morning ritual that I used to go through. The Monday morning ritual was I would drive an hour to the office from where I lived, generally hungover, which is constant. I would slam a McDonald's number two for breakfast, the sausage egg McMuffin, and an iced tea and an extra hash brown because, you know, I'm all about living that healthy life. And I would drive up to Houston from Galveston where I was living and I would go into the office. I would pound two cups of coffee before we'd start tasting wine. 
So obviously at this point, my palate is ready. It's primed to not taste a thing. Now, the first few times I tasted in the lineup or um, general sales meeting, GSM, first time I tried anything in the lineup, GSM, I was like, no way. There's no way that all these people can sit here. Well, I didn't realize everybody had spit cups. So that's something that I very quickly incorporated into my morning ritual. Get my spit cup, get my water, drink a lot of water, spit everything. The only times that I wouldn't spit is when we'd have champagne day uh, and when we would try things like Opus One or really, you know, nice wines. But besides that, I would try to spit as much as I could uh, just because drinking and driving is bad. So my manager sets down this bottle of Mandarin Napoleon. I'm super hungover. And he has so much energy, which was always the case, uh, which is not a bad thing. But I uh, was never a big fan of it when I was in a haggard state on Monday morning at 9 a.m. when our meeting would start. Generally, going into the meeting, I often had a poor outlook as well uh, because I knew that I would be in a room with no windows with these bright fluorescent lights. And every 30 minutes, there would be somebody else in front of me telling me why their product was the best product, why their product was was better than the other person's, and why I should sell their product. I understand it's an incredibly important part of the job, and I learned a lot from these meetings, so I'm not downplaying the importance of these meetings, but it's not something that you generally look forward to after about the uh, 52nd one that you've been to, again, every Monday morning. So... You sit there, you drink alcohol for three hours, and then you go home and you try to make some sales. So my manager is telling me about this product. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, okay, I'm hungover. Don't talk to me. We go through our general sales meeting. We get done with the general sales meeting, and he has us all come into the office. Now, when I say he has us all, I mean our sales team. Uh, There's about four of us. We come into the office. He wants us to try it. Again, hungover, coffee breath. I've just tasted probably... 20 wines and three, I don't know what day it was, rums probably. So I'm definitely not in the mood to taste anything else. I just want to go home and take a nap. And he pours this for me and I try it and I was floored. I was floored. Again, I talk a lot about uh, being humble and checking my ego or also being open to learning. I think being open to learning is important. Uh, And this was certainly a learning experience for me. So he tells us about Tales of the Cocktail. Tales of the Cocktail is this huge drunk fest. No, it's a um, uh, convention that takes place in New Orleans every year. So every year in New Orleans, around Halloween, I think is when it is, Tales of the Cocktail, there's all of these bars and all of these restaurants that participate in um, a spirit or a brand, and they set up like a shop, if you will, or like a stop along the way. And everybody gets a map, and they get they find out where these places are. And so some of the places are, are sponsored by these brands. Some of these places have done a partnership with this brand or have always carried this brand and have always been a big fan of it. But anyways, my manager tells me this was one of the favorite things he tasted. And this guy can drink. And I'm sure he hit a lot of stops and tried a lot of stuff. So if this is something that he really liked, I guess I should have realized that I would like it too. So I'm looking at my empty bottle of Mandarin Napoleon now with tears streaming down my face as I uh, miss the beautiful golden liquid that's inside. The bottle's exceptional, first of all. It's a beautiful brown bottle that kind of looks like uh, scaled leather. I don't know if 
that's a thing. Uh, yellow label, uh, bright yellow, and like a light um, pastel green, if you will, uh, accents. And it just says Mandarin Napoleon across the front. So this product is something that when I first tasted it, I realized how special it was. I, I realized how closed-minded I was being, and I learned that a lot. Uh, I don't even want to say it because he's going to get so cocky and so arrogant. You know, he's already really cocky and arrogant. My manager taught me a lot. He showed me a lot of things and opened my mind to a lot of things and, and, and kept me motivated and engaged, which is sometimes a hard thing to do because I find a hard time to do that with myself. But anyways, try Mandarin Napoleon, $33 a bottle. It's incredible. So the wine was made originally for Napoleon Bonaparte in the early 1800s. Uh, now it's being made out of Belgium. The product is made with 10-year-old cognac. It's made with macerated mandarins, aromatic spices, and then their website just says plants, but it doesn't really specify what plants. I think they're putting crack in it because it's really, really good. Um, just kidding. Well, it's really good, but I don't think it's crack. So anyways, they made it in the 1800s for Napoleon Bonaparte, and then it was first sold to the public in 1892. Uh, another interesting fact about it is near the end of the, oh, I'm sorry, during maceration, not at the beginning of maceration, but partially through maceration, they add black and green tea to the maceration. And what that does is it kind of cools down the bitterness of the oranges, and it kind of adds a little bit more like tenacity to the product, a tannin. Um to the product. So then after that, they're adding water and sugar and they're adding this stuff called carmine. Now, before I get into carmine, because this is going to be my nerd moment that I end the podcast on, when you try this product, it's brown. It's about the same color as Grand Marnier. It's quite dark. It's $33 a bottle, so $7 less on average. Not every liquor store is created equally. Um, about $7 less than Grand Marnier. And when you taste it, it's Tastes like dried oranges, orange peel. It's it's got a high alcohol content, which is is fine. Again, I like to sometimes pour it in the rocks glass, and I like to just sip it neat. But with ice, it's really good. Um, I mean, I don't know. I almost wouldn't even mix it with anything. I'm sure you could use it in a cocktail. You know what? If you use it as a floater for a frozen margarita, I'm all about it. I just don't think it necessarily needs to be mixed into a margarita. This product is really good. And it's, it's again, on the scale of orange liqueurs, it's quite uh, far out there. It, it's not a subtle orange liqueur that's going to blend well with everything around it. It's kind of a statement piece. So if you just put it into a bunch of other stuff, it, it might get lost. It might overpower the other things. I don't think it's going to play the role that you want it to play. Now, I'm sure there's some amazing bartenders out there. I mean, I know there are. I've met a lot of them. But I know there's amazing bartenders out there that can make this into a really, really good cocktail. But for me, in my house, this sits on my bar cart, and I drink it neat or I drink it on the rocks. And I generally have it after a meal or I generally have it when I get done at work and I get home. I pour myself about an ounce or so, and I just sip it just a little bit just so I can kind of get that alcohol fix. I guess I'm an alcoholic. Sounds like I am anyways. And um, it's kind of sweet, so I don't feel like I need to eat dessert or ice cream. And 
it's just really good. It's a really good way to end my day. I don't drink it every night, but I, I, I would say that I wish I could. Um, it's got a lot of nut, uh, nutmeg and clove and cinnamon and cardamom. It has all this really like nice baking spice that comes out in it. And I think, you know, partially some of that might come from that, that black and green tea. Um, and part of it might be the spices that they're incorporating into it. I don't really know how exactly they're going about it, but it's a really great product. And now to end the podcast, cause I'm in an area where there's two-hour parking, and I've got to go move my car soon. If I get a ticket, I'm going to be really pissed, but you know what? I, I probably deserved it. So uh, anyways, I'll finish this piece, and then i got to go move, move my car. So Carmine is something that it specifically says on the back of this bottle is colored with Carmine. Now, before I gross you out, Carmine is a reddish like a dark red, like a brick kind of, maybe a little darker coloring agent that's used in all kinds of stuff. It's been made in Peru since 700 AD or CE, whatever you believe in. It's not my business, but 700 years, not negative years. Uh, it wasn't synthesized or made synthetically until 1991. They used it to color yogurt, ice cream, soft drinks, Cupcakes, cosmetics, mainly lipstick, if you're looking for that red color. So Carmine is something, if you see it on somewhere, it says Red Number 4 or Coconut or Crimson Lake. These are all Carmine. And Carmine is actually a product that's made with Cocos Cacti Bugs. It's their dried bodies, and then they mash them down into a paste, and that's how they color stuff. So that being said... Please still try Mandarin Napoleon because I guarantee you, you're not going to give a shit that there's bugs in it because I really don't give a shit that there's bugs. I mean, you know, in, in a lot of Central American and Southern American cuisine, you get crickets and ants and stuff here and there. I'm okay with that. This Mandarin Napoleon is so good. I don't really care what they put in it. I mean, I put so much questionable shit into my body on a regular basis that I'm more than happy to put this in there. If anything, the alcohol kills any problem that there may be. You know, but then again, it's kind of how I feel about my life. Alcohol kills every problem. Anyways, folks, good catching up with you. Promise to post soon. Love ya. Bye.